Now what happened? Fir'aun, he didn't believe. All the magicians believed. He had them assassinated. The Bani Israel, they were already believers. Now the people of Fir'aun, the Egyptians, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says about them, فَمَا آمَنَ Musa. Then none believed in Musa alayhi salam. إِلَّا except ذُرِّيَّةٌ ذُرِّيَّة actually means children. Right? It's also used for generations. Right? Because the children are going to be the following generation. Right? So ذُرِّيَّة means children. Over here it gives the meaning of youth. It doesn't mean little children. It means youth. So فَمَا آمَنَ لِمُوسَى إِلَّا ذُرِّيَّةٌ Except youth, some youths, مِنْ قَوْمِهِ from his nation. Whose nation? Whose nation? The nation of Musa? Who was the nation of Musa a.s.? Bani Israel. Were they not already Muslim? They were. They were already believers. So then whose nation is this? Fir'aun. So none believed in Musa a.s. from the people of Fir'aun except just a few youths. Why? عَلَىٰ خَوْفٍ مِّن فِرْعَوْنِ Because of fear from Fir'aun. Because of fear of Fir'aun, the adults, the older people, they were too afraid to believe. Because you see, young people, youths, they are more willing to take risks. And you see this in little children also. Right? They don't have any concept of fear. They'll just climb up on a chair and then from there they'll climb up on a table and then from there they'll climb up on a counter and then they're just standing there as if it's a performance stage. Right? And the parents are freaking out that one slip and she's gone. Right? But children don't have any fear. They're willing to take risks. They don't care about what might happen. They just want to get what they want. Correct? Now, Youths compared to adults, same thing. Teenagers, they're more daring, more willing to take risks, more willing to take chances. They want to try different things out, even though they're crazy. But adults, they're fixed in their ways. Isn't it so? They're fixed in their ways. They don't want to change their diet. They don't want to change their lifestyle. They don't even want to sometimes move from one house to another. Sometimes they're not even willing to change their furniture. Why? Because they think that the furniture they bought 30 years ago is still better compared to anything that you'll find in the market today. Isn't that so? They're more set and fixed and settled in their own ways. They don't want to change. Right? But young people that are full of enthusiasm, right? They want to explore and they want to go far. What happens? Even though something may seem very risky, they'll do it. But when will they do it? When they believe it's the right thing to do. And if they don't believe it's the right thing to do, you can tell them 50 times, 100 times, they're not going to listen. Isn't it so? So for example, many young people over here, when you have to go somewhere in the morning and you believe you have to go, for whatever, what happens? You will be the first one up. Because you believe that you have to do it. It's crazy, but you'll still go. Like there are people who want to go see sunrise. Right? They're very enthusiastic about it. They'll be up before Fajr. No, Their mom doesn't have to wake them up. Their father doesn't have to wake them up. They'll be up before Fajr. 
They want to go somewhere with their friends and they're going to start driving early in the morning. They're going to be up and ready. Right? And their parents might be saying, are you crazy? You're leaving at this hour? Wait a little bit, let the sun come up, let the morning spread, eat breakfast at home comfortably and then go. They're like, no, no, it's going to be too late. Trust me, we have to go now. Right? But when their parents are just trying to wake them up, please, come on, all morning you're sleeping. Get up, get up, get up. Their parents can try to wake them up 50 times. Are they going to get up? No, they're not going to. So when they're convinced in the head that yes, this is right for me, this is something I want to do, then even if they face opposition from everyone, they don't care about it. This is a quality of the youth. This is actually a strength that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given to youth. But what happens, many times youth, they use it in the wrong way. They use it in the wrong way. And the people who do use it in the right way, look at how far they go. If you think about it, all of the prophets of Allah, their main supporters were who? Young people. Musa alayhi salam, who would accompany him? Yusha' bin Noon. And who was he? Fata. In the Quran he is described as Fata, a young boy. And it was eventually Yusha' bin Noon under whose leadership the Bani Israel entered the Holy Land. Because remember for 40 years they were in the desert. Right? When Musa alayhi salam told them, let's go, let's go. They're like, no, no, we're sitting right here. You and your Lord go fight. Remember that incident we learned about in Surah Al-A'raf? So what happened? They stayed in the wilderness for a very long time. Musa passed away. And then under the leadership of Yushar bin Nun, they entered the Holy Land. Right? Likewise, if you reflect on the companions of the Prophet ﷺ, we think Abu Bakr who was a very old man. Right? But there was a very small age difference between him and the Prophet ﷺ. Right? Likewise, we see Ali radiallahu anhu. He was one of the first people who believed. How old was he? Very young. Right? Zayd bin Sabit. How old was he? Very, very young. Right? Musab bin Umay radiallahu anhu. How old was he? He was also quite young. Uthman radiallahu anhu also. He was quite young. Right? All of these companions were quite young when they embraced Islam. And... The Prophet ﷺ also gave a lot of tasks to them to perform also. So for example, Usama bin Zayd he was so young when he was sent as the leader of an army. We all know about Muhammad bin Qasim. When he, he was not a companion, he came much later, but still, he was only 17 years old when he conquered. Can you imagine? 17 years old? I'm sure these days, 17 year old kids, they don't even know how to hold something heavy. You tell them, can you please chop the cilantro? And they'll be like, huh, how do you hold a knife? If you ask them, can you please iron your clothes? They're like, I don't know how to iron clothes. You ask them, can you please vacuum the floor? I don't know how to vacuum. What do you know? I know how to play on my phone. I know how to play video games. Right? We're wasting our youth. We're wasting our time. When there's so much capacity, there's so much talent, there's so much ability, so much strength that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given to the youth. Ibn Umar radiallahu anhu, he was also a very young companion. Very young. So young that once he was sitting in the gathering of the Prophet ﷺ, and the Prophet ﷺ asked a question from the companions. That what is that tree that resembles the believer? And people, you know, they said this tree, that tree, and the Prophet ﷺ said, no, not this one, not this one. And Ibn Umar, 
he wanted to say what he thought was the right answer but he was too shy because he was the youngest person in that gathering he was too shy to speak up so the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam eventually he told the people it is the nakhla the date palm and ibn umar was so happy that yes you know i knew the right answer but later on he told his father that you know when the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam asked i knew the answer but i was too shy to speak i was too shy to speak he was so young does it ever happen that all aunties are sitting and you're sitting amongst them and you feel shy to speak right why because of the age difference because people are immediately going to look at you what do you know right they're going to look at you as if what do you know and this is also a problem that we have we treat our youth like they are nothing they don't have any ability they don't have any strength they are completely incapable we don't let them make mistakes and learn from their mistakes and this is why we are losing great potential in the community Aisha radhiyallahu anha the wife of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam how old was she when the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam passed away according to some scholars she was still a teenager 18 or 19 years old can you imagine but if you think about it out of all the wives of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam who was the most inquisitive it was her who was the most daring if you think about it once the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he got up in the middle of the night and he went out so aisha radhiyallahu anha she was like where is he going so she went out behind him she dared and she went out behind him and the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam didn't go to the house of any other of his wives instead he went to baqir baqir is the graveyard so aisha radhiyallahu anha that's what she saw that he was there at the graveyard praying for his companions who had been buried over there but if you think about it i mean she had the guts to follow him and an older woman she wouldn't have that confidence right aisha radhiyallahu anha she asked so many questions she was so observant of all of the wives of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam the way she narrated things afterwards right and she learned their ilm when in her youth we think we will learn later but the best time to learn anything is when when you're young when you're young right and this is why the person who spends his youth in the worship of allah and part of worshiping allah is learning the deen of allah where will this person be on the day of judgment where under the shade under the shade that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will provide him he will honor him with that shade youth is a very critical stage of life because this is when you form your identity this is when you form your personality and you decide which path you want to take in life which way you want to go and if you think about it everyone is after you right everyone is after you meaning everyone is trying to recruit you for their own work so for example at school there's so many options if you think about it gadgets so many things are for who made for who for old people how many phones have you seen that have been made especially designed for old people maybe one or two cuz i remember i was looking for a few options for my grandparents and i really couldn't find many options and those that i could find they were so expensive but for youth i mean there's no limit there's so much choice out there so everyone's out there to get you right they're offering you something give us your youth and this is what we have for you but allah subhanahu wa ta'ala offers us the best deal give allah your youth 
and Allah will honor you. Yes. Morning is also, you know, the start of the day. Exactly. If you think about it, morning compared to nighttime. Morning is more productive, right? Likewise, the early stage of life, youth, that is much more productive. They Just like infants are developing and their minds are more developing and stuff and they need those experiences, um, around like 17, 18, that crucial youth time, your prefrontal cortex isn't developed at that time. So all the experiences that you are getting at that time, they're going to eventually affect your whole adulthood. So that's why, you know, they say it's crucial that you, you're getting your sleep and you're getting all those experiences because that's what's going to make you an adult. So your mind is still developing in youth. So, فَمَا آمَنَ لِمُوسَى إِلَّا ذُرِّيَّةٌ مِّنْ قَوْمِهِ عَلَىٰ خَوْفٍ مِّنْ فِرْعَوْنِ Some youths, they weren't afraid of Fir'aun. They didn't care about him. They said, doesn't matter, what is he going to do? Yes, he's a tyrant. Yes, he's related to us. Yes, he's from our family. Doesn't matter. They still believed. So for example, in Surah Mu'min, we learn about Rajulum Mu'min, a man who believed, a believing man. And he was from the family of Fir'aun who believed. Likewise, the wife of Fir'aun, she herself also believed. And the Mufassirin have also suggested some other people from the courtiers of Fir'aun and from the servants of Fir'aun who were young in their age, but they believed. And the rest did not believe. Why? عَلَىٰ خَوْفٍ مِّنْ فِرْعَوْنَ وَمَلَئِهِمْ Out of fear of Fir'aun and his elite. يَفْتِنَهُمْ أَنْ يَفْتِنَهُمْ That he would put them in fitna. يَفْتِنَ is from فَاتَ نُون. Fitna is also from the same root. And what is fitna basically? Torture. So they were afraid of Fir'aun's persecution. And this is why they did not believe. وَإِنَّ فِرْعَوْنَ لَعَالٍ فِي الْأَرْضِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Yes, I mean Fir'aun was someone who was very mighty in the land. Very oppressive. So their fear was kind of genuine. وَإِنَّ فِرْعَوْنَ لَعَالٍ فِي الْعَرْضِ لَعَالٍ عَالٍ is from the root letters عَيْنْ لَا وَعُلُوْ What is عُلُوْ? To be high. So عَالٍ is one who is very high. So he was very high, meaning he had a very high position of authority in his land. He was very powerful and he was also very proud and arrogant. وَإِنَّهُ لَمِنَ الْمُسْرِفِينَ And indeed he was surely of the musrifin. Who are musrifin? Israf. Extravagance. Again, those who don't stop at any limit. Indeed he was of those who were extravagant. So people were afraid of Fir'aun. This is why even though the truth was clear to them, they didn't believe. Except just a few people. Because Fir'aun was very powerful, very arrogant, And he was also a Musrif. Think about how he treated the magicians. Did he just threaten them and leave them? No, it is said that he actually killed all of them. He crucified them all. He cut their hands and feet from opposite sides and crucified them, hung their bodies on date palm trees. Imagine. And let them rot in public so that people would take a lesson. That don't you dare do anything that I don't allow you to do. But still... Think about it. There were people who believed, who saw the haq and they accepted it, even though it was so difficult. And amongst them was the wife of Fir'aun. And did she have to pay the price? Oh yeah. She really had to. She was persecuted to the max. She was persecuted so much. Imagine Fir'aun persecuting his own wife. What message is he sending across to the entire nation? Don't you dare listen to Musa. Otherwise you will also... Receive similar treatment. 
وَقَالَ مُوسَى Now in this state of fear, of oppression, Musa السلام, what advice did he give to the people? He said, يَا قَوْمِ O oh my people, and this is general, this refers to the Bani Israel as well as those youths from the people of Fir'aun who had believed. Because believers are one, even though they're from different races, they become one nation. So Musa السلام, advised them, إِن كُنْتُمْ آمَنْتُمْ بِاللَّهِ If you truly believe in Allah, فَعَلَيْهِ تَوَكَّلُوا Then on Him, you should rely. If you truly believe in Allah, then on Him you should rely. Don't rely on me. Don't look at me asking for help. What can I do? Because you see, when people are going through some difficulty, who do they look up to? Their leader. Do something to help us. Do something to relieve us. Right? Of our difficulty. But Musa is telling them, if you believe in Allah, then trust on Him. Have faith in Him. Rely on Him. Not me. Not any person. Not your money. Not your background. Not anything. Rely upon Allah. In kuntum muslimin, if you are truly Muslim, meaning those who submit and surrender to Allah. Because the fact is that a person cannot do ibadah without tawakkul ala Allah. What is ibadah? What is worship? Essentially it is asking for help. Right? So for example, in salah when we recite, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, Maliki Yawmiddin, Iyaka Na'budu, Wa Iyaka Nasta'een. You alone we seek for help. We ask help from you. Because that is what worship is about. Ad-du'a mukhul ibadah. Supplication, calling upon Allah, is what? It's the essence of worship. Now if you're asking someone for help, if you're asking someone for something, can you ask them without having this trust on them that yes, they can actually help me, they can actually give me? Can you do that? So for example, your mom, you know she's got money, right? You know that she just got her paycheck and you desperately want this new pair of shoes. So you ask her mom, can you please, please, please take me shopping and buy me those shoes? Why are you asking her? Why? Because you know that she's got the money, right? Will you ask your younger brother who gets like $20 as his monthly allowance? Yeah? Will you ask him, can you please take me shopping and buy me this $80 pair of shoes? Will you do that? No, because you know that he cannot do that for you. He doesn't have that money. He doesn't have that ability. Who will you ask? Who will you ask? The one whom you believe is capable of helping you. You have this trust on them that they can help you. And they will help you. Likewise, amongst our family members, there could be some people who are very generous towards us. And there are others who are not that generous. So for example, you want something, and you know that your dad can get it for you, and your mom can also get it for you. But you know that every time you ask your dad, he's going to question you like 50 things before he's going to get you what you want. And your mom, she just loves you. She'll just listen to you. So who will you go to? Your mom or your dad? Your mom, obviously. So likewise, If you truly believe in Allah, then trust upon Him. Ask Him for help. Ask Him for relief. Worship Him more. Trust on Him more. Strengthen your bond with Him more. Love Him more. So that His help will come to you. Relief will come to you.
You see many people, they accept Islam or they become serious about their Islam and they expect help from who? Help and support from people who are around them. And as soon as they see that, oh, people are not really that helpful, they get disappointed and they they go away. They're like, forget it, it's not worth it. But the person who is seeking Allah, the person who truly believes in Allah, who trusts upon Allah, then what will happen? Even if he gets support from people or he doesn't get any support, is he going to continue on his journey to Allah? Yes, he will. Why? Because he has experienced the sweetness of faith. He has experienced what faith truly is. So this is a reality. When a person will accept Islam, when a person will become serious about his deen, there will be difficulties. And at that time, don't look at your mom for support. Don't look at your brother for support. Don't look at your husband for support. I mean, people are there to support you. But they're not the only source of support. They're not the ultimate source of support. Who is the ultimate source of support? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Alayhi tawakkalu. On Him you should trust. In kuntum muslimin, if you are truly a Muslim. Now you see, at that time, accepting Islam, believing in Musa salam and his prophethood was like committing a crime. Because remember that Fir'aun, he ordered the sons of Bani Israel to be killed twice. Once at the time when Musa salam was born, remember? Okay? And second, after Musa salam came as a messenger. He did that in order to oppress the Bani Israel even more, in order to exert more control over them. More, you know, he wanted to control them even more. To show them that you're nothing, you can't do anything. So don't you dare rebel against me. So he ordered that their sons be killed. Now imagine, the Bani Israel, for the second time, their children are being killed in front of them, and they're helpless. Anyone who becomes Muslim, even if it's the wife of Fir'aun, is persecuted terribly. Imagine the state of people. How helpless they must be feeling. How abandoned, how weak. And what does Musa say to them? If you believe in Allah, trust on Him. If you're truly Muslim. What was their response? They didn't say, what about this and what about that and how come? But no what's and ifs and buts, nothing. فَقَالُوا They said, عَلَى اللَّهِ Upon Allah, تَوَكَّلْنَا We have relied. We rely on Allah. We believe in Him. We accept it for His sake. We responded to His call. We surrender ourselves before Him. And on Him we trust. Who is He? Rabbana, our Lord. And they make dua to Him immediately. They make dua to Allah. رَبَّنَا لَا تَجْعَلْنَا فِتْنَةً لِلْقَوْمِ الظَّالِمِينَ وَنَجِّنَا بِرَحْمَتِكَ مِنَ الْقَوْمِ الْكَافِرِينَ what is this dua? They said, Rabbana la taj'alna. Oh, our Lord, do not make us. Do not make us what? Fitnatan. An object of trial. An object of persecution. For who? Lilqawmizalimeen. For the people who are wrongdoers. What does it mean by this dua? Don't make us a fitna for the wrongdoing people. What is fitna? It has two meanings over here. One is object of persecution. Meaning don't make us so miserable and helpless 
that we are just persecuted by these wrongdoing people, by these oppressive people, meaning Fir'aun and his people, they keep harming us and persecuting us and we're unable to help ourselves. Don't make us an object of persecution. Please. Why are they making this dua? Why? Because it's very difficult to tolerate this. It's very difficult to go through persecution. It's very difficult to face opposition even. Forget about physical persecution. That's even more difficult. It can shake a person literally. Because you see, if somebody hurts you with their words, what can you do? Ignore them and move on. Right? Some people are very tough on the inside. But if you're being physically abused, you're experiencing physical abuse in your body, you're bleeding, your friends are being killed before you, you're losing your property, your life is a mess because of the persecution that you're facing, aren't you going to start doubting about what you're doing? You're going to think, is it really worth it? Shouldn't we just give up and go back to how we were before? Life was so much more easier and simpler before. So they make this dua in order to save their iman. They say, oh Allah, don't make us an object of persecution for these people. That they persecute us, persecute us, and we just suffer at their hands endlessly. Do relieve us. Another meaning of this is, لَا تَجْعَلْنَا فِتْنَةً Meaning, don't make us an object of trial for the wrongdoing people. That we become a trial for them. How would we become a trial for them? That they oppress us, and we're unable to defend ourselves, and they think, we're right. Because if these people who believed in Musa salam, if they were upon the truth, their God would have helped them. And see, they're suffering at our hands, they're helpless, they're wrong, and we are right. Because this is what happens, right? Whoever has the upper hand starts to think that what he's doing is the right thing. And the other person is wrong. Because if he was right, he would have been successful in one way or another. So this is why they made dua, رَبَّنَا لَا تَجْعَلْنَا فِتْنَةً لِلْقَوْمِ الظَّالِمِينَ وَنَجِّنَا بِرَحْمَتِكَ And save us, deliver us with your mercy مِنَ الْقَوْمِ الْكَافِرِينَ From the disbelieving people. Deliver us from here so we can be free. Save us from their torture so that we can live, we can survive. وَأَوْحَيْنَا إِلَى مُوسَى وَأَخِيهِ and we revealed to Musa and his brother. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded Musa alayhi salam and his brother Harun alayhi salam. What? On that, tawawwa'a. Both of you settle. From the root letters, ba, waw, hamza. Ba. Both of you settle, made to settle. Who? Liqawmikuma, your people. Meaning, Bani Israel, who are your people. Both of you are their leaders. Meaning, Musa and Harun were both leaders of Bani Israel. So they were told, make the Bani Israel settle where? Bimisra, in Misr. Misr meaning Egypt. Make them settle in Misr. Where? Buyutan, in homes, in houses. Buyut is a plural of bayt. Meaning, tell your people that they have to live over here. As difficult as it is, as hard as it is, they have to live here. Because they cannot go anywhere right now. Fir'aun refused to let them go. And there is no way that the Bani Israel can go anywhere right now. You see sometimes, when you're going through some difficulty, you just want to get out of there. Like for example, a person is suffering in their relationship, they just want to end their relationship and be done with it. They're having a very hard time in a particular country. They're like, you know what? I just want to wrap up and go away from here. I can't take this anymore. 
So imagine the Bani Israel, were they facing a very hard time in Egypt? Oh yeah. A very, very hard time. Their sons were being killed before them. They were not allowed to practice their faith. They were not allowed to have any masajid, any congregations, nothing at all. Because previously, in previous times, people were on the religion of their kings. Whatever the king's religion was, was the official religion of that place. And everyone was supposed to follow that religion. There was no freedom of faith. Not at all. So the Egyptians, they were polytheists. But Bani Israel, they were believers. Musa brought the message of Tawheed. So for them to practice another religion in that area, impossible. So what did they want to do? They just wanted to get out of there. They wanted to get out of there from a very long time anyway. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told them, no, you have to stay here. Make your houses in Egypt. Stay in Egypt. You have to stay here. Just accept it. You cannot go right now. And this is so beautiful. Because sometimes we want to escape from our problems. We just want to get out of them. And we become impatient. And we keep making dua, Ya Allah, get me out of here, get me out of here, get me. But we don't see any relief. Why? Because it's better for us to be in that situation. Even though it's very hard, it's better for us to be in that situation. You know, somebody said recently, life makes sense only in hindsight. Meaning, if you look at what's going on right now, it will make no sense to you. But in the long run, in hindsight, yes, it will make a lot of sense to you. So right now, you don't get it. Why is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala making you go through this trouble? But just accept it. Deal with it. وَجْعَلُوا بُيُوتَكُمْ قِبْلَةً And make your homes into qibla. What is qibla? A direction. Right? Direction of what? Of prayer. So for example, our Qibla is what? Our Qibla is what? The Kaaba in Makkah. Right? So Makkah is a Qibla. So anywhere you are in the world, where do you face when you have to pray? Makkah. So Qibla becomes a central place also. Right? It becomes a central place also. A place where you return to from everywhere. No matter where you are, you face Makkah. Correct? So it becomes a central location. It's a place of worship. So, وَجْعَلُوا بُيُوتَكُمْ قِبْلَةً Meaning, you don't have any masajid over here. You're not going to get any permit to build a masjid. You're not going to get any permission to gather together for congregation in your masjid. You're far from that. You don't have that freedom over here. So does that mean that you leave your ibadah? You leave your worship? You don't teach the deen, you don't learn the deen, your children become jahil of the deen completely? No. What do you have to do then? وَجْعَلُوا بُيُوتَكُمْ قِبْلَةً Make your houses into qibla, meaning into masajid. Make your houses into masajid. Do gather together and worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Observe your prayers in congregation. Learn, teach. But how? Openly? No, because if you do it openly, you're going to be persecuted. You're not going to be allowed to do it. So how should you do it? Go very, very low profile. Very low profile. Stay in your houses Avoid the fitna out in the streets. Avoid the persecution. Stay in your houses and practice your faith. And this is a very relevant lesson for us. Because there are times when you're not able to publicly practice your faith. So if you do that, you're going to invite more trouble. Right? You're going to invite more trouble. So what should you do? 
be very daring and you say, I don't care about anybody and I'm just going to take my prayer mat out in the middle of this government building and I don't care if the security guard is saying what, I'm just going to pray here and I don't care about anybody. What's going to happen? You're going to be in trouble. And you know what? Some people, they're after you anyway. They just need one incident to create a fuss. The next thing they're going to do, they're going to you know, take your freedom away from you completely. You won't be able to practice the little bit of faith that you can anyway. Unfortunately, our mentality has become very crooked. What we think is that what the right thing to do is if somebody is stopping us, you know, react even more. React even more. It's like telling somebody, come hit me. Literally, it's like telling somebody, the little bit of freedom that I have, why don't you take that away from me too? No, be wise. Be wise. Don't attract too much attention. Go low profile in times of difficulty, in times of persecution. So over here, the Bani Israel are advised the same thing. وَجْعَلُوا بُيُوتَكُمْ قِبْلَةً وَأَقِيمُوا الصَّلَاةَ Don't leave the prayer. Establish the prayer. وَبَشِّرِ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ And give good news to the believers. Because sometimes you get frustrated. Why is it so difficult? Why can't it be just easy for me like other people? But give good news to the believers. More struggle, more reward. And inshallah, relief will come very soon. You see over here, أَقِيمُ الصَّلَةَ Establish the prayer. Part of establishing the prayer is to pray in, pray in, jama'ah, in congregation. Right? And we see that this was a time of great fitna. When this was going on in Egypt, this was a time of great fitna. But still, the Bani Israel are told, pray together in jama'ah. What does it show? The importance of Salatul Jama'ah. And that Salatul Jama'ah will be performed even when there is a threat to one's life. Even when there is unrest in the society. Which is why we see that even during battle, the Sahaba would pray. Right? In Jama'ah. And that prayer is called Salatul Khawf. We learned earlier the method of Salatul Khawf in Jama'ah. Right? We learned that Uthman anhu, when he was a Khalifa, there were some people who rebelled against him, the Khawarij. And they came to Medina and they laid siege on his house. They basically said, you step down from Khilafah or we're going to kill you. You step down from Khilafah or we're going to kill you. Do this, 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 this. Basically they demanded some very unrealistic things from him and they threatened to kill him. And, and they laid siege around his house, which meant that if he dared to step out of the house, he would be killed. And the Sahaba, the Tabi'een, who were present in Medina, they asked Uthman anhu, allow us, we will kill all of these rebels. We'll fight them. We'll kick them out of Medina. But Uthman anhu said, no, I don't want bloodshed to be caused in Medina because of me. In the city of the Prophet, bloodshed is caused because of me? No, he didn't allow that. So that siege continued for quite some time. Now imagine the Khalifa, he's not allowed to come out of the house. And the Khalifa is supposed to be the Imam of the people. He's supposed to lead the people in prayer. But you know who was leading the people in prayer? When Uthman was besieged in his house? The Imam of Fitna. Meaning the leader of those rebels. The leader of those Khawarij. Because obviously they had... Imagine gunmen coming in, right? And daring people, you, don't you dare do anything against us, otherwise we're going to kill you. So the leader of the fitna basically, he is leading people in salah. So one of the sincere believers, he somehow got into the house of Uthman anhu, and he came to meet him and he said, Uthman anhu, come on, do something. 
I mean, we are being led in prayer by this sinful tyrant oppressor. This rebel is leading us in prayer. And we are afraid our prayers are not valid. You have to do something. You're stuck here. Come on, get out, do something. So that you can lead us in prayer, our prayers are accepted. You know the answer that Uthman who gave? He said, As-salatu ahsan. Salat is the best amal, the best deed that people perform. Salat is the best deed that people perform. Yes, there are murders. Yes, there are liars. Yes, they are evil in so many ways. But out of all the actions that they perform, salat is the best one. So when they're doing something good, do good with them. And when they're doing something evil, then avoid that evil. Don't cooperate with them in that evil. So basically he told them that even if you're being led in prayer by this man, don't leave the jama'ah. Pray in congregation. Pray in jama'ah. Don't leave the jama'ah. Even if you're being led by this person. So the Bani Israel were also told the same thing. وَأَقِيمُ salata. You might say, why? What's the big deal? Because you see, in times of turmoil, times of unrest, when people get together and they make dua, they stand before Allah asking Him for help, what happens? They develop more khushu. Their duas are more genuine. Right? And yadullahi fawqal jama'ah. Allah's special help comes on those people who get together. Unity. You cannot receive Allah's help unless you're united. And you cannot be united unless you pray together. So وَأَقِيمُ salata, Establish the prayer together. Recitation. فَمَا آمَنَ لِمُوسَى إِلَّا ذُرِّيَّةٌ مِّن قَوْمِهِ عَلَى خَوْفٍ وَمَلَئِهِمْ أَن يَفْتِنَهُمْ وَإِنَّ فِرْعَوْنَ لَعَالٍ فِي الْأَرْضِ وَإِنَّهُ لَمِنَ الْمُسْرِفِينَ وَقَالَ مُوسَى يَا قَوْمِ إِن كُنتُمْ آمَنْتُمْ بِاللَّهِ فَعَلَيْهِ تَوَكَّلُوا فَعَلَيْهِ تَوَكَّلُوا إِن كُنتُم مُسْلِمِينَ فَقَالُوا عَلَى اللَّهِ تَوَكَّلْنَا رَبَّنَا لَا تَجْعَلْنَا فِتْنَةً لِلْقَوْمِ الظَّالِمِينَ وَنَجِّنَا بِرَحْمَتِكَ مِنَ الْقَوْمِ الْكَافِرِينَ وَأَوْحَيْنَا إِلَى مُوسَى وَأَخِيهِ أَن تَبَوَّآ لِقَوْمِكُمَا بِمِصْرَ بُيُوتًا وَاجْعَلُوا بُيُوتَكُمْ قِبْلَةً وَأَقِيمُوا الصَّلَاةَ وَبَشِّرِ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ